and welcome to Diversity Ever After, a Baker Donaldson DNI podcast. We are professionals focused on creating an honest and accepting space for ourselves, our community, and our listeners. Here at Diversity Ever After, we raise awareness of DNI workplace and social issues, we advocate for increased representation and inclusion, and we navigate uncomfortable but necessary conversations. Inclusion starts with I, so we invite you to listen and become in touch, in tune, and inclusive. All right, everyone. Welcome again to another episode. I'm excited this time because we are rejoined by Tiffany. Hopefully you all were on our last episode when we talked to her about representation. And we ended that conversation talking about the importance of representation for young children and how showing them the possibilities at an early age can have a long-lasting impact on their future career trajectory. And so, again, I'm Nikimali Davis-Primer in our Jackson, Mississippi office, and I'm happy to say Tania is back with me. Right, Tania, are you still here? Still here. Hi, everyone. Tania Clayton, a health law associate in Baker's Nashville office. Excited to just continue this conversation today. And we also have with us Tiffany. Tiffany, you want to, I don't know if you need to reintroduce yourself, but you are welcome to tell us anything else you want us to know about you. Hey, y'all. Tiffany O'Bing. I am an employment discrimination attorney, DEO professional of many years, and a children's book author. And that author part is something we're really going to focus on even more during this conversation. But one thing I do love about everything you just said in terms of defining yourself, you know, which I think is awesome and what you do is your books kind of touch on all of that, right? Like, I don't know if you realized that or were if that was intentional, but it seems like the work you're doing in your book touches on you being a lawyer and EO professional and, you know, author, like all of it is kind of brought about full circle in your literature. Was that intentional? Is that just something you're like, oh yeah, it, it really does, huh? Right. So it was not intentional. But as I started producing more and more of these career books and started speaking to people about what they like about them, you know, getting feedback. And then they say, oh, do you do this full time author that is? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm a lawyer by day. And they're like, what? And then as I think about more or present um, at career day, for example, to my son's class, like, hey, I'm a lawyer and an author and try to tell them this is what lawyers and authors do, I realize that they pretty much overlap and especially with what I'm doing. And I'm like, hold on. So not only am I a diversity professional in my legal career, but I'm a diversity professional in my author career. And so, yeah, it took, it was a slow burn. I didn't realize it at first. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's there and it's shining bright and I love it. You know, in our prior episode, we talked a lot about representation and why it's important, starting from our conversation about lawyers in the media and some of our favorite shows that maybe we watch what was our experience with meeting an attorney for the first time all the way through you know what we think companies and organizations can do to create more inclusive spaces and have more representation and so we left that off with your books which i think do a really amazing job at showing children at a very young age the possibilities of what their careers could look like so why do you believe it's so important to inspire children to consider various types of careers and see themselves in those roles? Because, and I have to get on a soapbox real quick, (laughs) because I, okay, when you consider our history, which is not really that quote unquote historic, when you consider it, 
you think back to when our Black sons and our Black daughters could aspire to become the best field worker or the best domestic servant. When you consider that Black people are still becoming first, and it's 2023, and we're still making first. When you consider that Black children, especially our Black boys, you sit in a room full of them and you say, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they say, a rapper, a basketball player. That's great, but they have more opportunities and they need to know that. And when you consider that our children are dropping out of school, as we mentioned, or don't have the reading literacy compared to their peers, I have to do something. I, I have a Black son. He's seven now. And I want his future to be whatever he wants it to be career-wise. He's a really smart and intelligent Black boy. And I want him to know that, one, not only does he deserve to be here, not only does he deserve love and respect, but he deserves to aspire to become anything he wants to be. And so I think that's, <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> but yeah, so that's why these are so important. I'm here on the soapbox with you. I have a little girl who's five. I know Tania has little ones and a little mm -hmm. one on the way. <laughs> and so it's so important for all the reasons you just said. So I'm just going to say all of that and more. Just keep going. Keep doing it because your work is very much needed. So we can change some of those narratives and mm -hmm. we can start creating something that's much more fresh and for children to see and recognize, hey, yeah, those options are there, but look at these other things. I like what you said on an earlier episode about the engineer because people don't know what engineers can do, right? So you have a child at home who loves to take things apart and put it back together. They may not even recognize that that's the makings of an amazing scientist mm -hmm. or engineer, you know, or somebody like that, and they don't know the words to use to describe that or know and understand that they have some skill sets that can set them up in a very solid career down the line and they can make some inventions and do these different things but we have to be able to give our children that terminology give them those visions so that they can create even more imaginative visions of what their career paths and journeys can look like i totally agree with all of that and i love tiffany that you are kind of showing your son these possibilities just in your own life and, and through your book. So you're you're doing it in multiple ways and sharing that, you know, with other kids throughout the the country or the world. Um and so I did pick up a couple of your books and you you mentioned that they're all they're all about Andrew. I think you said that's your son's um name. And so and Andrew learns about lawyers. I noticed that you highlighted you know, multiple different types of law. And I think part of that might stem from the fact that you said growing up, you know, you only ever see, you know, criminal lawyers on TV and that's all people think are is out there. So why was it important to you to kind of illustrate in the, the lawyer career book that there are so many variations of attorneys out there? Yes, 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 yes. And that's one of the things I'm most proud of with the lawyer's book. Um, because I didn't know, as you just said, I had no idea that there were other paths or areas, practice areas for lawyers. All I knew about from TV was criminal law. But now we know that they show criminal mm -hmm. law because it's more entertaining than contract <laughs> law, for example. I knew about education law, but I didn't know that's what it was called. I just knew Brown versus Board of Education and that it was a seminal, pivotal um, case. And I was like, that sounds fun, you know, but I didn't know that mm -hmm. was called education law. 
So I wanted to be able to equip children and their parents because, again, my mom said, you're going to be a lawyer. She didn't know that there were different practice areas. She didn't know there was different things we could do as lawyers. She just knew you're going to be a lawyer. So I wanted to be able, when the parent is with reading lawyers with their child, Andrew learns about lawyers with their child, to say, hey, you have a pet. Look, you can be a lawyer for animals animal rights lawyer. I also wanted to rid the misconception that all lawyers go to court or litigate. So growing up again, I'm Mm -hmm. thinking you have to be the Perry Mason. You have to go into court. (laughs) That's what lawyers do. That's all they do. They go to court all day long. And then I get to practicing and I'm like, wait, we're not going to court. (laughs) What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely appreciated that part of it because I I still probably have to tell my family, I don't know, every other month that they will never see me in a courtroom where something has gone terribly wrong. Um, and they're always mm-hmm. like, but I thought you were an attorney. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> um, so just kind of educating even parents, like you said, because um, a lot of times kids kind of go with guidance they get from parents. And if parents don't know what all is out there, to be able to help, it can kind of lead to kind of a limited view, like kind of what we mm-hmm. we had growing up. Mm-hmm. And so lastly, I wanted to showcase alternative legal careers. So y'all may have recall that I mentioned on our first episode that I did alternative legal career for a number of years before going back to quote unquote practicing. And so I just wanted to show that having or being a lawyer who does not practice is another possibility. Like just having a legal degree can open up so many possibilities and opportunities. And I don't, I didn't see, and I still don't really see many children's books about lawyers that does what Andrew learns about lawyers does in that respect. And especially not that feature black characters doing it. I think that's so awesome. You know, I spoke at a law school pre-law day event last year and it was very interesting but telling and I think it aligns with what both of you are saying one of the people there who attended mentioned and this person was from an HBCU a historically black college and university for our listeners and one of the people there had that perception that if you're going to be a lawyer you need to be the criminal lawyer right like what else are you doing if Mm -hmm. you're not I'm a lawyer up on your feet in court doing these things, representing our people was kind of their angle as well. And so I think it's so important what you're doing in that book to show, no, you don't have to be a criminal lawyer because I'm not built for it, everyone. That That's not my calling. And it was funny because <laughs> there was a criminal lawyer there and she said, no, you have to be called to, be, to do criminal law. And I agree, just like other areas you have to really feel a connection to that kind of work but that shouldn't limit a person who wants to be a lawyer you can be a lawyer for animals and do animals rights like you said you can go into education and really help navigate that space for students and or higher education institutions or even you know middle schools and high school all of them need lawyers but that's the thing we don't open up that door for people to see behind the curtain, as they say, to see all the other opportunities there. So I think that's an excellent thing to to put out there, not just for the children, but like you both said, for the parents too. And of course we, because all of us are attorneys, of course we are very interested in Andrew Learns About Lawyers, but you have a number of these career books now. And I, I think I saw you did one about actors, scientists, teachers. And and I was excited to see that one about teachers because my husband is a black male teacher. And a lot of times he will be 
the first or the only male teacher or black male teacher that a lot of his students encounter. Um, he teaches at a predominantly white private school here in, in Tennessee. And so when I saw that Angie Learns About Teachers um, had a, a male teacher as the one of the characters, I was really excited about that because I knew we were we were doing this discussion and we've talked on some of our episodes about how we can't forget that when we're talking about diversity and inclusion, you know, a lot of times we spend a lot of time focusing on racial and ethnic diversity and issues that that are related to that. But there are, of course, so many other aspects that we need to cover, such as gender diversity or other things, religious diversity. And so it looks like you are are going beyond just ethnic diversity in your books and in that representation. But are there other areas as well that you have tried to highlight and that you think employers should always be mindful of when aiming to create inclusive spaces? You're exactly right. There are so many types of diverse representation Mm -hmm. and it's so important to emphasize, for example, disability representation. Um, That's a really good example. And so at this time, because I write from a place of what I know and personally experience. So for example, going back to Andrew Learns About Teachers and having a Black male teacher as a highlight, because I did that on purpose, which is one of the benefits of being your own author is that you can make sure what you want presented is presented. But my husband, like yours, is a um, or was a teacher. But what really kind of stood out was when my son started going to school, um, his first teacher was a black male. And I'm like, when do you ever see a black male teacher, first off? But especially in a lower level, great. So I wanted to really make sure I put that there so the readers, especially boys could see like you could be Mm -hmm, a teacher mm -hmm. for primary education but yeah so at this time I don't think I'll go probably beyond ethnic and um gender um because it's just the place that I'm writing from and I don't want to misspeak for any other group and there's so many authors who are speaking for those other groups that are also underrepresented I love that as well you're not trying to cover everything and what you are covering, you're doing well. So we love to see that. And you're right. My my son is in preschool and I, I don't know if there are any male teachers, um, maybe the, the gym coach potentially, but mm-hmm. you never see that for, for young ages. It is extremely rare. I'm sitting over here thinking about it now at my child's school and I, I don't think I've ever seen a male teacher over there. I'm sure there has to be one somewhere. There's some in middle <laughs> high school, but I don't remember seeing any in the the lower school where she is right now. So you both are right on the money with that. Mm-hmm. We need that rep- so they can see. This is something you can do, too. You may not see a lot of men doing it, but that doesn't mean it's, it's something you could not do. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely a door that's there for you to open if you desire to go down that path. Are there any other examples from your books or any other intentional stories you're telling without giving everything away because we don't do want people to go out and buy as many of these books as possible and just hand them out to everyone they know with children. But is there anything else from your books that you think will really help inspire children or parents show that representation of what's possible, especially for black and brown kids? Yeah. So we talked about Andrew learns about lawyers, but Andrew learns about engineers. Like I think it was an accident kind of, you know, how like you 
you put all your effort into it and you hope it's good. And then when it gets received and you're like, oh, I did that. That's how Andrew <laughs> learns about engineers <laughs> is for me. So Andrew learns about engineers came after Andrew learns about lawyers. And I was still trying to go on this whole, I want to show um, highlight different areas of engineers. So not only am I going to introduce what an engineer is, but I'm going to introduce what I believe to be. And I also talk to actual engineers, like the four main types of engineers. Um, and so in doing this, Andrew Learns About Engineers book, I also hit on the engineering design process in a way that children can understand. I also hit on Garrett Morgan, you know, the traffic light guy. And I also hit on perseverance. And I think that's what kind of stands out to a lot of readers is the perseverance aspect. And when I was doing, I'm oh, sorry, I get so excited about this, but when I was doing uh, researching for Andrew Learns About Engineers, I was like, I didn't know how important and needed the engineering profession was until I started writing this book. Like they are the foundation for pretty much everything that we have, how we're talking right now, communicating and recording. Like engineers were behind that. They're behind so many things, if not everything. And I was like, what if I had known about engineers when I was young? Or my mom had said, you're going to be an engineer when I was young. Would I have pursued a career in engineer? Because it's like so dope. So um, engineers is probably one of my favorite accidental popular books. I mean, I was hoping it would be popular, but I didn't know. Like it's been named um, the best book for early childhood or early elementary children on engineers. So it's like, wow, me? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So that was exciting. And then Andrew Learns About Scientists also stays with STEM because STEM is a big driving um, topic right now. The Department of Defense is trying to get stuff together to promote STEM amongst our children. They're saying that math is like the lack of knowledge in math is a epidemic. And so um, STEM is a big focus. But what Andrew learns about scientists, Andrew, I was supposed to be putting out a different book before that, but my son, Andrew, he loves dinosaurs. Like he can name every single dinosaur that you knew or did not know existed. And he can say those names so fast. And one day he was playing with a dinosaur fossil kit and I took pictures of him doing that. And so, um, and Andrew learns about scientists. We have him playing with dinosaurs. You see dinosaurs throughout, um, but it's about paleo. It's about scientists or the different types of scientists. But of course, paleontologists is highlighted. And one of my favorite lines from the book that always makes me chuckle, because it's just like my son. He says something like Andrew says something like. Um, Mommy, I'm going to be a paleontologist. And she said, oh, have you considered any other types of scientists? And then Andrew says, I didn't say scientists. I said paleontologist. And so it's like, <laughs> and she's like, well, that is, you know, paleontologist is the type of scientist. But that's like a real conversation that me and my precocious son would have. Like, you're trying to be smart and call me out. <laughs> but let me teach you something here. Um, but I really like um, Andrew Learns About Scientists. The illustrations in that and the representation in that, like you see a black, like I wanted to do different skin tones in there. So kind of bringing in the color aspect. So we have like a dark skinned female geologist, you know, so it's like really cool. And just the career books are really dope. I really like them and doing them. How do you think your career books can help promote diversity, equity, inclusion later on in the workplace? I know that we're reading this from a child perspective, but what impact do you hope this will have on DEI in a workplace setting? 
Because as we said um, over and over, my books show BIPOC people in workplaces where they are either absent or severely underrepresented even to this day. I think that my books show a world of possibility, a world of belonging. It shows the reader, readers that they can be there, that they belong there. And so I hope that because the books feature children and families of color, that it will entice the children and families to want to read them. And therefore, in the coming years, because I started in 2020, so we're only three years in, um, I hope that the readers and, and or their parents will say, you know what, I stayed in school, or I focused in school, or I love started learning, loving to read because I knew I wanted to be insert whatever career it is after they read my book. So just being exposed to the idea and the concept, I think will eventually, because they're still little, <laughs> but eventually <laughs> they'll enter the workforce and because it um, diverse readers are reading it and becoming interested in these professions after reading it, it will therefore diversify the workplaces that I feature. I think you're hitting the nail right on the head and I think you're right. And I think for the readers, mm -hmm. reading it to children, depending upon how small the children are, the adults, it helps them as well to see different people who look different in these roles. And so I encourage people who may not be from the BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, People of Color group to also get these books and read it. It helps you and it helps your children as well see the possibility and it ultimately can help reduce bias as we start being exposed to, to just what's different and what's possible. I love all of that passion that I'm hearing in your answers, Tiffany, and definitely want to say Congrats on the success thus far. I know you said we're a few years into your books and we're just hoping that they continue to develop in the coming years and, and realize some of that impact you're hoping that they have. I guess we can just wrap up by having you tell us a little about what's next for you. Like what future projects can you tease us about and, and what do you have coming that continues to relate to, to diversity in employment, education, and, and the literature industries? Yeah, sure. So I will say after publishing 20 titles oh <laughs> um, in three years, <laughs> I am on a creator break, which I am kind of well on. earned. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will continue my career book series. I do hope that the career book series becomes like a the Britannica of career books. So I want to have so many careers that whenever someone says, I want to be insert or let's learn about insert whatever career they can go to Andrew learns about and boom, there we have it. So at least next year, I will be releasing Andrew learns about chefs. So that's an exclusive. So I'm kind of excited about that. It's awesome. interesting because you see on TV, a lot of kids chefs. And so you know, they're trying to do their thing getting in there. So that's interesting. And we still have like a lot of first black chefs to do mm -hmm. XYZ. Mm -hmm. So so we're going to explore chefs next. And then maybe later next year, I'll do Andrew Learns About Architects. Because as I was studying and preparing for Andrew Learns About Engineers, I learned that there was a difference between the two. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned. I can't tell I, you what you that know. difference is, but I'm sure after I, I read your books, I'll have a better answer. <laughs> See, there you go. I also like to amplify other diverse authors' voices and stories on my Instagram. So every Friday, I feature an author who shares about themselves and the inspiration behind one of their diverse books. And so taking it a step further, 
when I'm at in-person events, such as the one I was just doing this past weekend, I often get customers who say, I want to write a children's book, or I've started writing a children's book, or I wish I could write a children's book like you, like, oh, that would be so cool. And so for them, I have created a journal that's called a journal for black women who want to write a children's book, an interactive guide to picture book magic. What it is, is, and I call it a journal or interactive guide because it starts with the steps or it includes the steps of how to write an engaging children's book, but it also wants to motivate and make the black woman. And some people are like, why are you focused on black women? One, because I'm a black woman. And two, our voices are important. And three, we still lack representation in children's literature. So I want to be able to motivate and encourage the black woman who picks up this journal that yes, your voice is needed. Your voice is wanted. We want to hear it for sure. And so all along their path, they have affirmations about why they need to keep going, but they also have the steps on how to write a children's book pitfalls to avoid and advice on how to create engaging characters, storyline, writing style. So all that stuff is explored in here. And I'm just really excited to get it in the hands of people. Over the weekend, I encountered a couple of people who were like, I want to write a children's book. And I was like, hold on, I got something for you. So I dug under the table and I'm like, look at this. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So just to see their excitement was very confirmational and affirmational. And uh, yeah, that's what's next up. Well, we can't wait to see everything you have coming. One of the reasons we love this podcast is to highlight and have a platform for diverse voices and professionals. So we are so glad that you were able to join us for our podcast for a couple of episodes. And we will definitely be sure to be on the lookout for everything you have coming. For our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this series and we hope that you continue to see the themes that we're talking about, which is possibility, belonging, authenticity, and they will continue throughout the season. So be sure to tune in for more episodes of Diversity Ever After. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Diversity Ever After, a Baker Donaldson DNI podcast. We hope that this conversation has made you feel more seen, valued, and empowered to become in touch, in tune, and inclusive in your day-to-day interactions. Remember that inclusion starts with I. Until next time, please like, comment, and share this episode.